Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Let's join Pastor Ralph today as he brings a message entitled, Better to Love Than to Like. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Philippians chapter 2, talking about how's your love life. And today's message, the title is, It's Better to Love Than to Like. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But as Paul is writing, he's not just writing to people about their dating life or their marriage life. He's writing about just loving each other in general and in friendship, but it certainly applies to you if you're dating somebody, or it certainly is going to apply to marriage or to a family, and we're going to have a a good time looking at it. But I I want you to think about our world for a little bit. I I tend to read kind of weird stuff, you know, and I I subscribe to Smithsonian Magazine, and uh, they had a really neat article in there uh, this month about Orville and Wilbur Wright. This December... It will be 100 years since they got that little airplane that looked largely like a kite to fly 600 feet. That's about as far as from here to where my office is over there. That was this huge accomplishment. They'd been doing this for four years. They'd go and they'd build a top wing for a biplane and then they would fly it like a kite. And they were, what they were doing is trying to get a kite flies at an angle like this, but you can't fly an airplane like that and get anywhere. They wanted to get it where they could fly it at an angle like that. And then they have a bottom wing, and the same thing. They're working and working and keep tinkering with this thing. It set up camp for four or five months on the beach, and they'd get the bottom wing to where it would finally come. And then they put it together as a glider. And then guys would get a hold of the wings, and they'd run down the beach and push it off a sand dune and let the thing just go like a hang glider, but let it go up, and it'd fly maybe 35 feet. And that was like this huge accomplishment. And then they got it where they could put a man on it and some little controls, and they could fly it. And they got one time to 120 feet with the thing gliding. And it's the first time that uh, that a human really succeeded at winged flight. And then there came that year that they, after four or five years of this, they got a little tiny motor that they designed and built themselves and put on this thing. And it flew 600 feet. Since then, we've been to the moon. Since then, a trip. Remember, there's a movie Around the World in 80 Days. Now you can get around the world in less than 80 hours. And that includes being bored during layover time in airports. (laughs) It's phenomenal, the world that we live in. You remember the old days of, of, of when you used to call the mainland and there was that delay because of the undersea cable? And now when you talk to somebody, the thing is on a satellite that we've got up in space and it just sounds as, as clear as if they were your next door neighbor. It's been about 100 years since Alexander Graham Bell ran a wire between two rooms and, and managed to give a little short message to somebody in the other room. The world has changed so drastically. One of my friends was telling me the other day his 20-something-year-old 20, 20 son was asking him about the audio system that they have at their house, the sound system. And he said, Dad, there's one thing I don't understand. And you know how it is. The kids always understand the system better than the old people, and they know how everything works. But he's going, there's one thing I don't understand. There's that word phono on there. What does that mean? <laughs> now, not many of you are laughing, and that's because most of you don't know what that word phono means because you're too young to know about the days that we had these things called phonographs. Before there were MP3s and CDs, there were phonographs. And, and this world is just changing medicine. You know, my, my wife has just come off of this bout with breast cancer, and, and the treatment that she had to go through is so much gentler and so much more, you would say, merciful than the treatment just 10 years ago. They almost would kill you to try to save your life. And, and the, the world is just changing in so many ways. It's just getting better and better and better and better. And yet, in some cities in America, the divorce rate for first-time weddings, people who've never been married before and they get married, is 60%. 
You know, you couldn't run a, a, a company if you had a 60% product failure rate. They say that remarriages, that if you got married before and divorced and now you got remarried, in some cities the remarriage divorce rate is 80%. Now I would think if you were getting remarried, you actually have something going for you. You had your heart broken, that other person had their heart broken. You understand pain and you ought to be able to get together and give solace to each other and those people aren't making it. And you've got to go, why is it over the last hundred years so much has gotten so much better and then so much has gotten so much worse? We're destroying our families. We're destroying our children. We're destroying our hopes of old age. But so many of us are looking forward to living all by ourselves when we're getting old and having a hard time chewing our food and having a hard time seeing across the room. And, and there's loneliness and despair in our future. Why is that? Well, I think I have a hunch. We're going to look at the scripture today and it's going to give us some wonderful clues what God says about Easter and about what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross and how that can make a new person out of us. And by making a new person out of us, it can change the way that we learn to love somebody. When we look at the, at the, at the Bible, the, the word love that we read in the Bible that we're going to read today is agape. And it's a, it's a word that means you totally lay your life down for, for somebody else. You're willing to give yourself away. And get this, it's like God's love for you. If you're not a, 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 a person who walks with God today, and your life is in some kind of shambles, and you're feeling a little weird, and a little embarrassed about it, and a little whatever, you need to know this. God loves you just exactly the way you are. You don't have to change one bit to accept God's love. God loves you unconditionally. Now, if you invite the Lord into your life, He's going to start changing you. He's going to start to change the way you think. He's going to start to, to change. He'll start out by putting a little bit of tenderness inside of you. You know, I told this story a week ago. It happened two weeks ago, but I'm going to tell it again. I sat next to somebody in church two weeks ago on Sunday morning, and a guy was really bummed out, and he's going, I'm not sure if I'm really a Christian. And I go, why? Because he had been in traffic. Somebody had cut him off or done something, and he had reacted in the old way. You know? And now he's coming and he's going, I'm not sure if the, if the Lord's in my heart or I wouldn't act like that. I'm going, no, that's exact proof that the Lord is in your heart. Because before you could do it, when you served the devil, you could just cuss somebody out, chew them out, give them the finger, do whatever you wanted to do, and just feel real good about your day. <laughs> now, if the Lord has come into your heart, that bothers you. See, that's proof now that God took over your life and is in that slow process. He's adopted you into His family and He's going to change you into the person that you have the potential to become. This is what it's about. And so we're going to learn what it is to, to love. And we're going to learn how Easter and what Jesus did for us on Easter can make a difference in our life. And we're going to learn it for eight weeks. I thought I'd do something different this Easter. Most Easter's, you know, if you, if some people only come to church on Easter or Easter at Christmas. And you hear the same thing year after year. And you've got to come to this conclusion, what a boring place church is, man. They talk about the same thing over and over and over. And so I thought I'd, I'd throw you a curve. And we'll talk about something a little different today. And, and then I'm trying to put a little hook in your jaw. I, I got some good stuff to say to you over the next eight weeks about how to, have, how to be successful at romance. You know, how is your love life? How to make it really count? You may know some people that are hurting. Some of you this morning may be sitting here with a broken heart. You just, you just found out you're getting a divorce. Or you just broke up with somebody that you love. Or you may find yourself being married to somebody who doesn't even talk to you anymore. And God wants you to have a life that's filled with joy and happiness and harmony. He wants you to have hope that as you grow older, that, 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 that the best person to be around is that person that you're hooked up with. And so we thought we'd kind of break things up just a little bit this morning. I, I always like to have somebody in our church 
get up and, and share a testimony, kind of a, a little story about what it is that we're talking about in church that morning. And, and, uh, and I try to get somebody who's living a real life, you know, not a superstar and all of that. And uh, so I, I'm going to invite a lady up here who's been married to the same old dog for 36 years. And she's managed to survive this thing. Her name is Eleanor Ruby Moore. And she's not wearing her Easter bonnet. Um, she's been through uh, seven months of treatment for cancer. And uh, actually, her hair is starting to grow back, and it looks quite cute. But she's just not quite ready to let you guys all see it. And, uh, but tell them, about, uh, tell them about our marriage and all of that. But tell them about what you did last Monday and, and what the significance of last Monday morning at about 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Um, last Monday was the last day of the radiation, and so everything just is a recovery time now. And, and thank you for your prayers, your support. It's just been wonderful knowing that I haven't been going through this alone, that I've had all of you. Um, so where I'm supposed to report on this marriage that uh, has been going on for decades <laughs> and still going on. Um, almost 40 years ago, we met in Bible college. I was 19, Ralph was 18. So you can figure the math on that one. It was a long time ago when we were young. And we each ended up in Bible college because of that song that Jan just sang, that because he loved me, because he loves me, he sent his son to die for me, and that we're celebrating Easter today. Because he loved me, I thought, the least I could do is love him back and serve him with all my heart. I didn't know where the road was going to take me. God had a purpose. I thought I had a plan, but God had his plans. And so I um, ended up in Bible college just to learn more about the Lord. Actually, for one year, right? You're only going to go for a year yeah. and learn more about just the Lord? Just learn, uh, just find out what, what more there is in the Bible. And while I was there, then I met Ralph and... Another purpose took over in our lives. And God brought us together. We fell in love, got to learn um, to know each other by taking lots of walks, um, just getting to know each other. We were too poor to have a car, either one of us, and so forth. You're a college student. And a couple of years later, we got married while we were still in uh, school. And then um, right after we graduated, here we were about 22, 23 years old, and my 14-year-old brother came to live with us, and we raised him. And as time goes on, you know, in a marriage, you're, you're going through your ups and downs, and um, we had a couple of children, and we pioneered a church, and all kinds of things. And we were still pretty young, and we were growing to know each other. And you know, you have those ups, and you have a lot of downs, and you struggle through it. Then it got to a real crisis point in our marriage, and Ralph will share that uh, in a few minutes. In fact, let me share it right now. Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> it, I, uh, I, always, I made a vow that every time I talk in a series about marriage, I'm going to talk about this. There's a very dark spot in our marriage li married life, and it's my fault. When I was about 30 years old, I was a pastor, I was a husband, I was a father. I became enamored with another woman that I wasn't married to. It never, ever got physical, but it certainly got wrong. It got mental. We were talking to each other. It was wrong. I want to say this because I know that there are some of you in this room that got to be somebody that's being as stupid right now as I was being stupid then. And I jeopardized everything in my life for this. 
I want to say this because there's some of you that in your past you've done this and you've you got a guilt hangover that, that just won't seem to let go of you. And I want you to know God forgives. And God puts you back on the track. And God will make something right. But what I want you to realize is that during that time in my life, I loved God more than I loved the stupidity of what I was doing. God's purpose for my life was more important than anything else in my life. And it's God's purpose and sticking to God's purpose that managed to help me get my way through this whole thing. On the other hand, I deeply wounded this wonderful woman. I deeply wounded her. And she had every right to just say, you're out of my life, buddy. I want nothing to do with you. And, and nobody could ever hold her accountable in any way other than to say, you have the right to get rid of a bum like him. And she didn't. And now you can go ahead and share the rest of it. Still jokes me up. And it was a long time ago. But in all of this, in our growing, the ministry, and uh, even through this hard, hard time in our relationship, I knew that there was a purpose, and I could only look to the Lord. And I kept looking to God, and I was saying, I want out of here. This is hard. I'm trying to do everything that I'm supposed to do. You know, like you read all those books, and trying to do what God wanted me to do. And what God told me he wanted me to do was to love him and to love my neighbor, which meant my husband. So it was constantly going to the Lord. Recreating new ways to love my husband, making him those chocolate chip cookies, preparing the meals, doing everything, and praying for him. That was the key thing. Praying that God would bless him. That God, not to take vengeance on him, not to say, okay, God, and maybe there were a few prayers, make him love me again. But God, you bless him, and I'm going to stand back over here, and I'm going to love you. And as Ralph was loving God, somehow our marriage came back together. It wasn't overnight. It took many long (laughs) months and years. But going to the Lord and knowing that he had a purpose for us, a strong purpose in our lives, that he called us to this ministry. He called us in Bible college to be one together and to serve him. And through that, I got to thinking last night, I felt like the Lord woke me up. When I wanted to bail... I wanted to leave and say this was over with. What would have happened if I had? Today my children are growing up. They're adults. My son probably wouldn't be here as a youth pastor. I don't know where they would have been if they would be walking with the Lord now. As pastors, there would have been no ministry. There had been no job. There had been no Hope Chapel. If I would have left, there would have been no coming to Hawaii 20 years ago. If I would have left, there'd be you would not be sitting here today. And that's still shaking me up from what the Lord showed me last night. There's a purpose in each of our lives. And if we'll hold fast and true to the Lord, he's going to bring a reward in your lives. We have such a strong marriage now. I'm so blessed by my children who are godly and grandchildren. Our marriage is so strong that the last eight months, though they haven't been fun, But my husband's been there with me through all the chemo, through the throwing up, through losing the hair, um, through the radiation and all the side effects. But he's been there. He's even just hugged and rubbed his chin on the top of my bald head and said I was sexy. Uh, You know? (laughs) Love is blind, I know. We do have a strong marriage. It's been a reward. Those weren't fun times, but I look back and I say, thank you, God, for that awful time. Because it caused me to grow up and to trust God and know that he is faithful. 
We have a wonderful marriage. We have a wonderful family. And I want you to think and know that God has a purpose in your life. If you will submit to him and do what he wants you to do, he will lead you, he'll direct you, and you can celebrate Easter and say, thank you, Jesus, you rose from the dead. Hallelujah. I should let her preach, huh? She's good. Well, let's take a look at Philippians and see what the Apostle Paul has to say to us. First question that I put here is, what is love? You know, what is this thing called love? And Paul writes to these people as their pastor. He's started this church in Philippi and then he moved away. And, and, and he's writing back to them. And, and, he, and, he, and so he's he just trying to get them to get going in their relationships and stir some things up in their life. And he asks a question. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Are you guys getting anything out of your faith? Is there anything happening that's spiritual in your lives? I mean, is, is this a religion or is this a relationship with God? Is this a thing you kind of join some kind of a spiritual do-good society and make pledges to be a better person and, and then work your brains out? See, the difference between Christianity and every other religion is this. Religion says you've got to do something to please God, to make Him like you. Christianity says God already chose to like you. We're working off of what God has done, not what we have to do. Are you getting anything out of that? Is it encouraging you? Is it changing your life in any way? Second question he asks, is there any comfort from His love? When you wake up in the middle of the night and you're scared and you're trying to meet the bills and you've got this happening and your company's growing and you're not sure if you're making the right decision, is there any Anything that's going on, do you have a song in the night? You know, when we come together and we sing these worship and praise songs, we're trying to put a song in your heart so that in the night when you're lonely, there's a, there's a, there's a tool that you can use to be in contact with the Lord. Is God doing anything inside of you to comfort you when there's hurt and there's pain and there's loss and there's fear inside of your life? Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? This word fellowship is an interesting word. It means it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual kind of a partnership. Jesus said if two or more Christians get together in his name, then he'll be there in the midst and, and, it, and it, he'll enrich in the experience. You know, here's what I'm talking about. I've had times when I've been in Honolulu Airport. Actually, this happened to me once in Los Angeles Airport. Somebody walks up to me and they go, are you Ralph Moore? And I go, yes, I am. And they go, I recognize your voice. I listen to you on the radio every day. And I go, oh, thank you. And they go... You know, you're a lot older than I thought you'd be. <laughs> and then we sit and talk a little bit, and something happens inside of me. And something happens inside that other person. There's a, there's a partnership in the Lord. And because it's not just the two people talking, there's three. There's the Lord there in the midst of the thing that you go on your way, and you're enriched. There's something that filled you up. And there's a fellowship that you have in the Lord. Is, he says, is there any of that going on in your life. Because you know what? If these things aren't happening in your life and you're a Christian, it means you've got to get to know the Lord a little better. You've got to get a little bit more disciplined about getting in the Word and getting in church and you know, just finding yourself where you can grow in the Lord. He says, are your hearts tender and sympathetic? You know, is there something inside of you that, that is tender toward God? You're like that man that I was talking about. You go do something stupid, you yell at somebody. Because we're all good. We're all still like that. You know, that part's still in us, but God's trying to iron out the wrinkles. And then suddenly you're feeling, oh, man. I'm not supposed to be like that. And there's something tender, and, and you want to have sympathy toward another person. And, and you know, you, you, you do what you do. Is there anything like that going on? 
Well, then he says, then tr- make me truly happy. Now, why, is, why has he got the right to say to them, make me happy? Well, he's their pastor. He's invested a lot in their life. I'm your pastor. I've invested in your life. And so I'm going to say to you what Paul says. You guys, make me happy. Why? <laughs> make me happy by living a good life. Make me happy by living a life that makes you happy. That'll make me happy. If your life turns out well, I'm very, very happy. We have a whole bunch of people that have been coming here from Hinamauka every Friday night. And, and, and they, they, they walk. I've seen people, 20 people, 25 people walking in the rain up the hill to church. I mean, it's just been phenomenal. People who are really desperate and they're really hurting. And, and, and you see people week after week pray and receive the Lord. And, and, I, and I'm questioning, oh God, are you really meeting these people? Because they're, they're really hurting. Some of these people, they're, they're desperate for God to do something in their life. And I spend quite a bit of time praying about that. And uh, last night someone came up to me and they said, there's someone in our church that's on the staff down there. And they said, you wouldn't believe the changes that are going on inside that place. They're, they're, they, the people used to get into fights, fist fights. That's not happening anymore. They're having, they're having little discipline problems. They're having after-hours Bible studies when the lights are supposed to be out. People are getting together having Bible studies. God is, is, is meeting with you. God will make you tender-hearted. God will do this. But, but we want Him to. I want Him to. I want you to live a good life. I want you to have success. And He says, make me truly happy by doing these things that will make you successful. Now let's start talking about our family relationships. Let's start talking about our dating relationships. He says things like this. Make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Now that does not mean that one person is supposed to be the doormat in a relationship and always agree. You know, I, I can't imagine the thuggery that I see going on in restaurants. I see guys who are so high control. And I've seen a few women that are like this, that they totally dominate a relationship. And their idea of love is, you do what I say, when I say it, and how I say it, and don't talk back. You know what? That is not love. No matter how wise you are, how you think you're making right decisions, that is not love. He's asking that when he says wholeheartedly agree, that doesn't mean you, my wife has to agree with everything I say. That means that we need to talk to each other and we need to come to a place where we've got consensus. We just had a change in our life. Our neighbor came to us and said they wanted to build a new fence. We had a wooden fence and, and I liked it and everything, but it was getting filled with termites. And, and so they wanted to build a vinyl fence and would we go half? And so we said we'd go half. Then we discovered that the old fence was 19 inches over onto their property line. So when the new fence got built, we lost 19 inches of our backyard. Now, not only did we lose 19 inches of, of ground, I had three beautiful plumeria trees out there and two of them had to be cut down. Not because I have mean neighbors who wanted to cut down the trees, but because just to get the fence up where it needed to be, those trees had to go. So our whole backyard changed. My wife and I went to Home Depot, and I bought all the right plants for the backyard. (laughs) Meanwhile, she had a little cart, and she bought all the right plants for the backyard. You can see where this is going. And we're smart enough to know that what you do is you take the biggest plants and set them up first and then you figure out where to put the little ones. Well, just even putting the biggest plants out there, we spent a lot of time setting the pots out where I thought they should go. And then setting the pots out where she thought they should go. And then finally setting the pots out where we thought they should go. And then we did the same with the smaller plants. We got the bigger plants in the ground and we put all the the smaller plants where she thought they should go. And then we moved them all where I thought they should go. And and then we fussed around and we found out where we thought they should go. You see what I'm saying here? He says, learn to come to wholehearted agreement. Secondly, he says, loving one another. And the Greek word for loving here is that word agape. It's spelled A-G-A-P-E. It's like the English word agape. But, you know, the Greeks had four words. For love. We only have one. 
They had a word, eros. And you know what we get out of eros? Erotic love, okay? But, but this other word for love means this. It's the love that God has for you. I just love you just like you are. And I'll give myself wholeheartedly to you. And you don't have to do anything back. You don't have to do anything in return. I just love you because I choose to love you. I'm going to make my life meaningful by serving you. You know these last seven months when my wife has been through this whole cancer thing? I really have gotten out of myself. And I did get up early in the morning and go with her to the radiation treatments. And I did all these things. But I'm living with this woman who's thrown her guts up because she's gone through chemotherapy and all that kind of stuff. And in the middle of that, worrying about trying to make sandwiches and food for me to eat. We have both figured out what it means to say, without reservation, I'm going to serve you. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.